Podcast One. Where's the best place to hide a dead body? <laughs> page two of Google, of course. It's a Please Get Me On Page One, episode 521 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Yeah, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show. Successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing algorithms. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. It's beyond time. You are ready to go. Big episode today. Australia's leading and most awarded SEO expert, Harry Sanders, rejoins us to answer your most pressing SEO questions. And that will pretty much do it. Any more and your brain may well explode. Mine definitely will because we have got so much content in this next hour. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Hey, before we geek out on all things SEO, I want you to hit pause and call me. Yeah, give me a buzz. Here's my number. You ready? 0480-015-150. Leave me a message. Ask me a question. Tell me what you think of the podcast, just like this motivated listener did. Hey, Timbo. Glenn Azar here from Adventure Professionals. Mate, been listening to the show for a long time, as you know, six or seven years and got so much value out of it. Uh, Implemented many ideas. One of the best ones for both my business uh, and for me personally was getting into podcasting myself and talking about my product and the expertise we have in the area, particularly around the Kokoda track, et cetera, mindset. That was an absolute game changer for me. It takes a lot of uh, nerve initially and you build your confidence over time, but it was one episode I remember listening to after I'd been on listening to your show for a year and it said, you know, this is how easy it is for you to start your own podcast with this most basic of equipment. And I literally started and it's made a massive, massive change in my business Mate, always get value out of the show. Love everything that you're doing and the passion that you bring to it. So I hope you're doing it for another 10 or 11 years or as long as I'm around to listening to podcasts and running business. Thanks, mate. You're a legend. Thank you, listener. I wish I knew your name, but I recorded this episode before I had a chance to listen to any messages. Next time, I promise I will be much more organized. That number again, 0480 015 Righto. Let's pick up where we left off last episode when we met 23-year-old Harry Sanders, Australia's leading and most awarded SEO expert. If you haven't listened to episode 520, then I kind of encourage you to do it right now. To say his business journey is inspiring is quite the understatement. This week, Harry's back. He joins us to answer over 30 of your most pressing SEO questions that you guys sent me when I did a call out a few weeks ago. Now, if you've been on the moon for a few years and are questioning, why would I even want to be on page one of Google, Timbo? Why is it important? Well, here's some stats from a recent Forbes survey that will leave you without a shadow of a doubt. 93% of online experiences begin with a Google search. 95% of users never scroll past the first page of search results. And organic search results are 8.5 times more likely to be clicked on than page search results. Convinced? Thought so. So strap in as Harry tackles everything from verbal search to duplicate content to keyword identification, backlink strategies, website speed, and the tools you need to nail your SEO and actually a whole lot more. The first question is from Rowan of Pest Go and is all about verbal search. He asks, with the advent of Siri, Google Assistant, Alexa, etc., what measures do we need to take to ensure that we have found via verbal search? Good question, Tim. So that's what we call schema. You know, that 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 code that goes on the website's a part of that technical SEO pillar. And it's a little bit of code that goes on the website so that Google can pull that and pets that back to people with voice searches. Now, don't get too excited about voice is the one thing I'll say. I've worked on a lot of big projects around voice. 
while people are using their phone to set alarms and stuff, people still aren't doing a lot of purchasing on their phones. Um, we did, you know, massive campaign talking about hundreds of thousands optimized for all these voice searches for a large brand. They ended up selling, you know, maybe 10 grand worth of stuff through all this voice that they were prepared to do. Um, so don't get too excited about it. I know the narrative is exciting right now. Um, and it's important to be optimized for it, but, but don't drop everything you're doing and try and focus on voice. Uh, but, okay, I hear that. But at the same time, gee, the amount of people's homes I walk into, uh, and I don't really make a habit of walking into people's homes unless I know them, um, but they do have a Google Home or, you know, some kind of like verbal assistant thing. Uh, that is a growing, growing bit of hardware. Surely in the next 12 months, uh, search, verbal search is going to hit its straps? I mean, we've been saying this for 24, 36 months now. This is, we rolled out this project with this, with this brand about 24 months ago and it still hasn't taken off. The problem is everyone's got one of these. I mean, I've got like five in my house, Tim, you know, geeking out over here, but I've never once bought something off them. People like to see what they're buying um, and that's a big problem. So if I'm going to buy a new shirt, I'm not going to say, hey, Google, buy me a new shirt. Mate, who knows what's coming back? Who knows? Just tell just digress here, but we, the Google and all the other social media channels are listening, aren't mm. they? Oh, absolutely. How does that work? I mean, I, <laughs> it, it, came, it became very clear the other day when I was on Insta, it was actually a few months ago now, I was on Insta. I never talk about tape measures, but for whatever reason, I said, Hey, who's got a tape measure? Yeah. I think it I think it went as far as that. Within an hour, I think I looked at my Insta and there was an ad for a digital tape measure. Yeah. Like social media takes this stuff to the next level. I mean, Facebook's always recording audio on your phone. I mean, if you told people 10 years ago your phone would be bugged every time you're using it, people go skits. Now you get a walking microphone around with you everywhere you go that Facebook's listening to. Um, so social media is crazy with that stuff. Okay. Uh, thanks, Rowan, for your question. This question is from Can of Social Wave. It's about backlinks. What are the best SEO backlink strategies? Don't say it's your IP. No, mate, it's, I can't tell you. It's top secret. Um, no, so some of the best ones, it depends on the size of the brand, right? But if you're a small brand, I'm going I'm to assume because that's, that's probably the majority of people coming through, you can do things like press call out. So every day, journalists are asking questions that they need sources for. On things like SourceBottle or Harrow, you can sign up for these services and as long as you're quick, you can get in some brilliant publications very, very rapidly, but you've got to be quick. We talk about that in, in one of the modules. Another one is um, around digital PR. Uh, that's actually free, you know, if anyone wants a sample, where you can learn how to engage and reach out to journalists actually not that hard. They're friendly people, as long as you're polite and not wasting their time. Um, but there's a lot of work and they're probably the two easiest ones for small businesses that don't take a lot of time. You know, something like press call-outs, you get an alert every day, you, you deal with it and you, you move on. So just so we're clear, Source Bottle, in fact, I've, Rebecca Derrington, who started Source Bottle, was a very early guest on this show, but I reckon 10 years ago. Harrow stands for Help, Help a, a Reporter, reporter out. out. Yeah. Um, so this is journos around the world putting posts on these websites, Source Bottle and Harrow, asking for, hey, is there, a, is there a specialist on dishwashers? And if you're a dishwasher mechanic or, you know, fixer-upper, um, you might go, yeah, 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 I am. And they're going to ask you some questions and then they'll put a link to your website in the article as almost a thank you, right? Yeah, exactly right. And that's a backlink. And backlinks are really important because the more, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, Harry, but... Um, it's not about how many links you have out of your website because essentially they're doors out uh, and people leave your business, but having links on other website are doors in to yours, yeah, Exactly. Right? So it's all about the quality, not necessarily the quantity, but the quality of those people linking to your business. Yes. Now talk about that because Google rank the quality of a page and if I've got a backlink on, I don't know, a government page, I'm assuming that has high authority, versus a backlink on, dare I say, a porn or gambling site, which has no authority and you'll get blacklisted? Yeah. So you want it to be niche relevant. So if you were a porn or gambling website, having links from other porn and gambling websites, yeah, free game, mate. That's great. 
Um, and likewise, if you're a porn or gambling website, having links from a government website is probably not going to do you that much good. But if it's niche relevant and from quality or authoritative websites, like something like Forbes, you know, that's going to be good for your backlinks. Love it. This is an interesting one from Marie Harris. People Empowered is her business. It's about learning materials. She said, Tim, last time I listened to an episode of yours in which you tackled SEO, it was way above me. Can you refer me to basic starting stuff? Now, now I, I get that. Uh, so, uh, first of all, Marie, go and join um, Hawk Academy. You know, 32 tax deductible dollars. Um, use, the co- use the code TIMBO2020 at, at, at hawkacademy.co and you're away. But this is about mindset, Harry. Can you talk to Marie about not freaking out too much about this SEO stuff? All right. SEO people, like everyone, love to overcomplicate their job. And it makes us feel smart, Tim. You know, talking about <laughs> yeah, terms like, right. oh, yeah, Tim, all you got to do is optimize that latent semantic indexing of the SERPs to make sure that you're prioritizing <laughs> keyword density. Exactly. <laughs> I can say that. And it's just a bunch of jargon. What I said there in simplified terms is use synonyms on your website. So SEO can sound complicated, but we try and really break it down and dumb it down in Hawk Academy where we just talk about terms as they are. Um, but don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by these people that use all these technical terms to describe things and get scared away. That's just a tactic of making it seem, you know, too hard for you to do yourself. Marie, relax around it. Enjoy it. An hour a month. It's all it takes. That's it. Three pillars, guys. It's always one of those three pillars. Three pillars. On-site, off-site, search intent. That's it. Away we go. Harry, this is a question from my Old co-host. The first 80 episodes of this podcast I did with Luke Moulton. He has a brilliant app called LeadSync uh, that's all about Facebook and uh, worth a look. Uh, his question's around duplicate content. I have a support section on a subdomain. There's some geeky stuff here. No, here we You're going to have to explain stuff before you answer this question. He's, I have a support section on a subdomain which has some similar articles to our blog. Should I be worried about duplicate content? Sure. So, so uh, go through the two definitions here. We're going to want to know subdomain. So, a domain is when you go to like, you know, facebook.com. A subdomain would be forum.facebook.com. That's a subdomain. Uh, and Google sees these as sometimes separate sites, which is very frustrating. Duplicate content. So, Google looks at all the content on the web and wants to make sure that your content is unique and original. So if you have duplicated content across your site or you've stolen site from other websites, it won't prioritize that content or it might just not show it. So to to answer his question, if it's very, very similar, we can use what we call a canonical tag. Again, Tim, this isn't, it's a scary word. (laughs) It's really, really simple. You know what a canonical is? It's basically saying, hey, this goes here. So this version of this content is actually just another version of this one. That's all it is. Sounds scary, really simple. So saying this is another version of this content. You just copy and paste one sentence on your on your site into the code, and off you go, mate. That's sorted. Uh, and so you okay. just do that. I, I would. I mean, Marie, previous question is now having a meltdown because you just you know you've just gone copy and paste into the code and blah blah. Uh, canonical <laughs> tag. Okay. I mean, the real, real reality is some of this stuff's a little bit more complicated than others. I imagine once you've done it once. It becomes second nature. So, it, 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 honestly, I could I could teach my mum to do this stuff. Like it, yeah, it okay. is. It, it sounds really scary, but it is. It's a little. You know how you install Google Analytics and you put that little code on the top. It's the same thing, but yeah, now it's okay. called a canonical tag. Got it. All right. Well, that sounds like something you could either learn in the academy or get your your SEO yeah. person to yeah, do, and totally. they look at you going, "Geez, <laughs> I better up my game." Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, similar question here, but possibly different. Scott Pendlebury from Renovator Store, very long-time listener, Scott. Um, he says, does replicating a product description on marketplaces, i.e. duplication of the content, dilute the SEO value of the original content on our website? So Scott's got an online store. It's an e-commerce question, product description, uh, re- re- repetition so does he have control of both his websites? Is he copying that from someone else or is he copying that elsewhere? Uh, I am going to say he has control of Renovator Store. That is his website. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously then putting some products on marketplaces like maybe, a, I don't know, an eBay or a um, oh, something gotcha. similar. Gotcha. So as long as that description that he's got on his website is unique and it was the first place that that content was published, Google puts that as this is the original source. 
Don't copy that from the manufacturer's website because you're just going to be copying their content. But once you copy that to a marketplace or eBay or Amazon or something, that's eBay or Amazon's problem with duplicate content. Um, That's not your problem anymore. Cooper Silk of Radio Hub. It's an indexing audio video question. Can Google index the words in audio, e.g. podcasts, and video? Or do I need to transcribe that kind of content? Well, they're trying, Tim. They're trying. They're really trying to work on podcasts and audio, video, images as well. And they do a good job, but they appreciate a helping hand. So I would definitely be transcribing those. They won't actually index stuff based on what's in an audio. They're only looking at the copy. They're just trying to understand it, the relation to what that has on the page. But definitely you're going to want to transcribe version. Otherwise, Google's not going to show it. Is that just because right now the technology, and it seems bizarre in 2020, the technology is not there, but still Google can't actively and accurately, more to the point, listen to a piece of audio or a piece of video and go, ah, I know what that's about. Well, they can, Tim. And here's where it gets interesting, right? They can do that and they probably have the tech to roll that out. But if they're looking at the search and the results, you've got person number one who's got a video transcription, images with descriptions and accessibility for everyone that comes to that site, even if they're colorblind or uh, have accessibility issues versus someone that's just got the video. Who do you think they're going to put in that first place? So you've just got to make it as easy as possible. Make yourself the brain-dead choice to be that number one. So right now, transcribe. So expensive transcription. Gee, there's a lot of services popping up to dollar a minute, generally what it is. It can be expensive, but but at the same time, you know, maybe you don't need to transcribe the whole thing word for word. What what we do with, with our tea time is we've got, you know, practice what I preach, we've got a um, transcription of it, but it's not a transcription. It's just basically our speaking points with a little bit more content written out. Yeah, got it. Jeanette Smith uh, of Gen J Art has a question around website security. How important is it to have a secured website with HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash protocol? So uh, that's that's pretty geeky. But what you see, I think uh, what Jeanette's getting at is uh, across the top uh, where your URL sits in your browser, it either has a padlock or it doesn't. No padlock, yeah. That's it. So it's either green, you know, you get that green padlock. Yes. Feel a little comforted and, and warm inside, Tim. <laughs> um, and you don't, and you get the big red broken padlock and you're looking at that, and you're like, oh no, I'm not putting my money here. Well, you definitely want a secured website. It's free to do. There's a service called Let's Encrypt that will do it for free. This is something your hosting company can do or something like that, or you can SEO or a developer. It is a little bit more complex to, to do it yourself. I'm going to be honest with you, Tim. But it is something you certainly want. It's a ranking factor to Google and they're not going to show websites that aren't secure anymore because what can happen is if you're at the airport and you're on an unsecure website, people can hijack that connection and show whatever they want. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Google Google took this really seriously. They took a hard line in the sand a couple of years ago about it and they said for the good of the internet, everyone needs to have a security certificate. Okay. Because it's amazing how many you come across that are not secured. Yeah, they're... they're they won't be ranking, Tim. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Michael Kozlowski of Studio Bucket has a question around managing SEO. He says, for bootstrapped startups, especially B2B and SaaS businesses, software as a service, what are the three things you can do to help your SEO within a week? <laughs> and <laughs> totally. what's a minimum frequency and time frame you have to do it to see some benefits? Within a week. All right, so... Uh, First of all, love the studio in the name. Always good. Always good start. <laughs> yes. um, but anytime someone says, I want to get SEO wins in a week, a month, think of SEO as a three to six month goal. I know as hard as that is to say, it is a long-term business investment. It's not something that you're going to see an immediate quick win from. If you do, that's just a bonus. But in a week, what things could you be doing? Well, the best thing a SaaS product can do, and I've worked at a lot of SaaS companies, is put out content that their users want to see. What problem are you solving? Why would people sign up to your SaaS product, right? Make sure you're an industry or expert around that and you've got authoritative content put out. Otherwise, you've got competitors that will be doing that. So it's a serious, serious thing to have that content. Make sure the second thing would be make sure the website's technically sound. Go through, do a technical audit. You know, either you can do that yourself if you go through Hawk Academy or you can engage someone to just do a technical audit for you and get that all squared up. That way you've got one of the pillars of SEO sorted. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Like you said, Timbo, fixing those titles and stuff, done. Uh, the third thing 
would be to try and get published in a few of those top lists. Look at the, you know, uh, Gartner Network and these kind of places that that compare and publish the top 10 SaaS products that do this and get listed there. There, there's, there are three tips that I would give you that, you know, are all pretty simple. Back to tip number one, Harry, authority content. I'm big on content. I oh, think, man. Uh, yeah, we both are. Uh, and again, you know, I don't see enough, particularly small business owners, creating content. Now, can you, I think I've rattled on about this enough on this podcast over the years. So I'd like to hear your version. What is authority content? What are the different ways you can give it out? And how do you get started? I love it. So authority content is content that you're publishing in your blog or something on behalf of the brand. It needs to sit on your website. It can't just be a LinkedIn post or something like that because you're not going to get the SEO value from it. So sitting it in a blog, having a blog where you post out all I asked him once a month, minimum. It's a bare minimum you could do for me. And it's and it's not tricky. Once you get in the habit of it, you can get it going 600 words minimum. Just get something going and and ask yourself, what do people ask me about my business? And that's a great place to start. And then you can start going a bit deeper. You can look at how many times using tools like Keywords Everywhere, something's being searched. You can look at what the trend of these things being searched are. You can go as deep down the rabbit hole as you want. If you go through things like trend analysis, which we talk about in the course, you can learn how to forecast what topics are going to trend and get big and produce content for them before they're even a thing. And and Google Trends alone is an awesome website place to start. Yeah, just having that content, putting your name behind it, putting your brand behind it is really a big, big leap. You mentioned blogs. There is a question about blogs coming up, but uh, authority content can be a podcast. It can be video. Uh, you know, yep. there are lots of ways of doing it. Ebooks, white papers, and again, you know, going back to your idea earlier when I asked you, getting how are you, how are you getting these big clients in at Studio Hawk? I mean, you are positioning yourself as an authority, either creating authority content or showing up in places like what's the uh, you're you're a, a board member of what the web, oh, the Australian uh, Web Industry Association. Start you know authority position yourself, and again. It's a really good marketing strategy. Uh, you're listening to Australia's leading SEO expert, Harry Sanders. Um, you want to improve your Google rankings, do give him a buzz on 03 uh, Even if you're overseas, they can still give you a buzz. Plus one. Yeah. No, what is it? Plus six plus one six three. One, yeah. We've got the London office as well. you got the London, London office. office there, yeah. Um, and if you tell him Timbo sent you or one of his people Timbo sent you, he will give you this exclusive white paper he's put together called Dirty SEO. Nikki Thompson, she's a masseur. She's got a word around, I like this one, keyword identification. How do I know what keywords to chase? What is a keyword? How do I know which ones are relevant to my business? Man, that is a problem, isn't it, Tim? Well, keywords are what people search for in Google. So if I were to type Masseuse Melbourne, that's an example of a keyword. That's what we call a short form keyword or short tail keyword. A long tail keyword is like, where is the best masseuse for lower back Melbourne? It's a very, very specific search intent with longer form content. So if you can't compete on the short one because there's, you know, big brands bidding on it, you can go after those long tail keywords and capture those because you will be the most specific page for that search. So how do you do that, Tim? Well, that's where you do keyword research. There's a a tool called Keywords Everywhere, which is, you know, uh, I've got, got a trial and you can go through and see the volume of the different keywords as you search them. So you just look at the volume of these things and be like, huh, 500 people are searching for a massage in Melbourne and 20 people are looking for lower back pain massages in Melbourne. You know, don't be disillusioned because there's less. There's 20 people that are very specifically looking for that. So if you have a page on your site about lower back pain um, massage, you're going to capture that. So have a look through and look at what keywords are going on. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a skill that you can pick up very quickly. Would it, is it fair to then jump to the conclusion, Harry, that the longer the keyword, in fact, it's a little bit misleading, it should be key phrase because it's no longer keyword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is it right that the longer the keyword, the closer someone is to buying? That can be very true. Um, the longer the, yeah, those, those long tail keywords, the longer the keyword generally has a higher conversion rate because they're very specific in what they're looking for. So if they're they getting find, serious. Exactly. So if they find a specific answer and and I always like to think about, you know, SEO as providing the answers to the user's questions. 
if you can provide that very specific answer, you're going to get that business. Love it. Thanks for your question, Nikki. Camilla Ayres, find my perfect venue is her business. She's she's got a question about hidden pages. How important is it to have hidden SEO pages, particularly for a directory, e.g. Hunter Valley Weddings, Hunter Valley Weddings, Bendigo Weddings? Someone said this is vital for rankings. Mm. So, Tim, this is a perfect example of why we need education in this industry. What you've just suggested there would have been a grand strategy six years ago. Nowadays, will be actually detrimental to your rankings. Google will penalize you uh, and it will actually cause you to show up for less things. So you don't want these hidden or we call them zombie pages. You want to make sure they're linked into the broader website. And you certainly don't just want to be doing them for a keyword. Remember, Tim, we want to be matching that search intent, not just the keyword, the search intent of what people are looking for. So no, not important at all. At all. Get rid of them. If you've Get got rid hidden of them. pages. Absolutely. Oh, well, are the, are the hidden pages adversely affecting your unhidden pages or are they just not getting indexed? Both. Both, yeah, So okay. if you have a lot, if you have a couple here and there and you're just using them for AdWords or something and they're no indexed, you know, uh, Google doesn't mind at all. That's fine. That's best practice. Um, but if you have hundreds of these things or... You know, some people think it's a great idea to have a 10,000, you know, local pages uh, that are all got duplicate yeah, content right. and stuff. Plumber Blackburn, Plumber Nutterwadding, exactly. Plumber Mentone, Plumber is like, That's nah. going to kill you. So what we've learned here, I think, is that Google really wants you, don't get all techo on me that Google is saying, just represent your, your buyer, your customer, your listener, whoever it is that you want to interact with. And do as they would love you to do, right? Yeah. It's actually, it's, this is what I'm saying to you. You're starting to come around. It is <laughs> mind-bogglingly simple at its core, right? How can I give the searcher what they're looking for? Not how do I trick Google into showing me. That's, that's what we used to do eight years ago. Now it's how do I work with Google to make sure we're the best result that could come back for this? Just on hidden pages, uh, I'm reflecting on my website Um timreed.com.au, which is my speaking website. When I get a request to speak, when there were conferences pre-COVID, I would go and create a video. I put some words together, a couple of images, and put all that together on one page, which basically says to the person looking to book me to speak, hi, it's Tim here. Thanks for considering me for your conference. Here's what I'm going to talk about, blah, blah, blah. That's a, and then I send them the link to that page. It's a hidden page. No one else is going to find it. And I've probably got about 100 of them out there. As long as it's not in your sitemap, Tim. So as long as you're not asking Google to fetch them, uh, if it's in your sitemap and you can, you can look at your sitemap for all the people listening, it's, it's a list of all the pages that you're telling Google to fetch or crawlers to fetch, and it's at your website slash sitemap.xml. And if it's there and all your pages are listed there, you're telling Google to crawl these pages. Make sure they're not doing that. Okay. Oh, that's great advice. I knew I got you in for a reason, young yeah, Harry. That's it. It wasn't just my good looks. <laughs> I love it. Jonathan Simon, oh, Simon Tice. I can't pronounce it, his surname. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Um Taz Laser Skirmish is his business and he's got a question around linked domains. If you own multiple domains that are relevant to each other and provide links between websites, does Google penalise you if the domains are owned by the same owner or registrar? Well, this is a very good question and this is where it comes down to what your intention is by doing this. Do you have a nefarious intent? Are you trying to game Google? Because if if you're trying to game Google, I guarantee you, uh, I know some of the best, what we call black hat people in the industry, that, that they're people that try and cheat the, the Google search engine. And it is very, very tricky. They can see the IP address, the host, all the different things that it's registered from. So I'd say if you're trying to cheat Google, absolutely not. Don't do that. If they're legitimately aligned businesses, uh, like one, one of the people we've worked with is a company called Invato. You might be familiar with Theme Forest and all those kind of things. They have all these aligned different businesses and they're all links on the page. They're all different domains. That's totally okay because it's obvious that they're just different website properties that they own. But if you're linking between them all, you know, trying to cheat the system, yeah, absolutely, that's not going to be good for you. Okay. Just don't cheat. Don't cheat, guys. (laughs) Come on. 
This next question is from another long-time listener. He's actually got four questions, and I'm going to ask all of them because he has been a great supporter of this Make show. Make Let's go. Absolutely. Arn Betteridge, Signature Clothing. If anyone needs uh, clothing, uniforms for their business, then Signature Clothing is where you need to go. Um, this is all about managing one's own SEO. He says, if a business owner is interested enough or just wants to do his own thing instead of employing an SEO expert, what tools would you recommend to use to get the best bang for buck? I imagine this is in Hawk Academy, but go for gold, Harry. So, the tools are very much the same as what industry professionals will use, uh, SEMrush and Ahrefs. So SEMrush, you can get really cheap kind of codes and um, subscriptions. It's not the cheapest thing ever, but it is good for what it is. What's it going to do for me? It's going to basically do everything that you could need in an SEO toolkit. So SEMrush is more focused on on-site, though it does do the backlinks and the search intent and the content and everything like that. Uh, Ahrefs is more focused on the backlinks. Now, to be honest with you, Tim, if... You know, you're just looking for one tool, go with SEMrush. If you're an SEO professional, you're going to need like seven. But, you know, Tim, we spend about, you know, $10,000 a month on a SEMrush subscription and all these other tools. What's the second one? AREFs? AREFs. Yeah. So H R E F S. A H R E F S. Okay. AREFs. So that's, that's about backlinks. SEMrush is about content and technical. Just going back to um, keywords, you, you mentioned keywords everywhere is a great resource. Um, I, 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 want, I just want to, I, there was something I wanted to add to that discussion because I do, I mean, putting out an episode of my podcast every week, I'm always struggling to figure out what keyword to use. I do a bit of a Google search. I come up with what I think it should be. I do a Google search. I see what else is ranking for that keyword. Is keywords everywhere where I should be plugging in um some some keywords and seeing what's coming up for a particular episode. Yeah, that'll certainly help, as will SEMrush. They'll both do uh, and give you recommendations on that. Okay. Uh, and second question, um, assuming said person had done a reasonable SEO job ticking green lights on Yoast, you can explain what Yoast is in a minute, but still, rank, but still not ranking for keywords, where do you go looking? I'm really glad you asked this question, Tim. So Yoast is an SEO plugin for WordPress. It's a good little thing to have. And it's got this traffic light system to try and make it easy to see if your page is SEO optimized or not. Do not listen to the traffic lights. The traffic lights are liars. Um, They are meant to give you an indication but really, you know what they do, Tim? They just make you feel good. They give you that dopamine rush once you get the green traffic light. They're not an indication of if the SEO is good or not on that page. So don't freak out if they're not green. They're just an indication. So I, I if they're not ranking and you've got a green light, you know, that doesn't mean anything. What you've got to do, Tim, is you've got to look at the three pillars. Is this a technical problem? Is this a backlink problem? Or is this a search intent problem? Wow. You've just, uh, there's a whole lot of listeners who rely on Yoast for that little dopamine fix. (laughs) As soon as that light goes from amber to green, or dare I say red to green, it's like, you beauty, SEO's fixed. Wow. That is news. Mm. Okay. Don't rely on Yoast. You're back to SEM rush or keywords everywhere. Yeah, just 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 go through and and just because Yoast isn't going to give you that dopamine rush, it actually you know broadens your knowledge now because now you realise well, okay, that's just talking that that traffic light is just talking about the search intent or just how often I'm using those keywords. Yeah, okay. So can I look at the search intent? Am I satisfying that? You can still do that yourself manually, and you'll do a better job. Amazing. Uh, goes on to ask, what info or data do you get from Google Analytics that would help you improve SEO and get more clicks organically? So Google Analytics will help you track how much uh, traffic's coming through and it's free. So you go to channels. This is a handy trick that a lot of people don't know about, Tim. They don't know about how much traffic they're getting from Google. If you go to channels, all traffic, you can then look at exactly each one by Google, by AdWords, by social media, and you can click into organic it won't tell you what keywords are coming through. It's not provided, but it will tell you how much traffic's coming through. Now, there's another tool called Google Search Console, which is free. And this will tell you if there's technical problems on your website, like if there's problems that are preventing Google from indexing the site. That, that is the tool that's going to help you improve your SEO. Uh, Analytics is just going to help you track it. Google Search Console. 
Might get a list of all these tools, Harry, and put them in the show notes. That's it, happily, happily. Is that a good idea? I mean, it's certainly helpful for my listeners to go, if I can say, hey, in the show notes, there's a list of all these resources, but they are doors out from my website, aren't they? So how do I manage that? That's that's fine. It's okay to have doors out to credible websites, right? That's a good thing. Google looks at that, obviously, as long as they fit in. Um, but Google doesn't want you to just try and keep and hog everything to yourself. And do you like the um, making sure that each time you do put a link on your website that it opens in a new tab so your website remains open on another tab? That won't really be an SEO factor, but it can be a nice thing. Um, but yeah, having having links out, it can be a good thing. Uh, so don't worry too much. Don't, don't be like, oh, I'm never linking out again. And having show notes is a great idea because it's a little piece of content that Google can pick up and read. Yeah, the bane of every podcast, but incredibly important. Yeah. I, I have no, I actually have no idea how many of my listeners refer to the show notes of a particular episode, which I refer them to in every episode. And if I look at my own podcast listening habits, I actually don't go to that many show notes. Mm. So, but good content for Google, I guess. It is. I like Arne's final question. Apart from your esteemed guest, how the hell do you find a real SEO expert in a sea of gurus? SEO whisperers, shonks, <laughs> and spivs. <laughs> so a lot of people think you can just Google SEO and go with the first person there. That's probably one of the worst ways you can find an SEO person because these people are doing just tricks and short-term ways of boosting themselves to the top, that black hat stuff we spoke about, but they're not going to be there. If you check back in a month, it's going to be a different person. Mm-hmm. So um, the best way... Honestly, as much as I hate to say it, is knowing a little bit about SEO so you can spot the charlatans. Invest 30 minutes in going through the fundamentals of SEO. Uh, That's it. And you will save thousands and thousands of dollars. And then when you talk to these SEO people, you will understand the fundamentals. Tim, you would be embarrassed if you knew how many SEO people don't even know the fundamentals. Yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'd be ama- I would be amazed, but also I'd probably go, yeah, it's kind of expected yeah, exactly. That. So once you know that, you just you can you can chat to them, ask them about their IP and stuff, and if they say, oh, we got all our IP, we can't tell you, run. No more shonks and spivs. No more shonks. Transparency <laughs> is key in this industry. We are chatting with SEO savant. Harry Sanders, whose online Hawk Academy has been set up to upskill business owners keen to improve their online presence. And you can join for, well, it's 40 bucks to those not in the know. But if you go to hawkacademy.co and use the discount code TIMBO2020, TIMBO20, you'll get 20% off and it'll be 32 tax deductible dollars that will do your business the world of good. This question is from Aidan Hackwood of Hackwood Electrical. It's about local searches, Harry. Mm-hmm. He says, being an electrician, I'd like to rank first when it when someone asks electricians near me in the Google search bar. How do I rank higher for local searches? Oh, local search is a great question. Um, now, Jacob in the team specializes in local search, but I can give you some some broad tips. So, what you want to do is have strong reviews. Now, this will this will really blow your mind, Tim. So, it's not net just about the star rating of the reviews. You know what Google actually uses to determine the ranking? What words are used in the review? So positive words like excellent, fantastic, and you know all those will have a positive sentiment. Negative words like terrible, poor will have a poor sentiment and will downgrade it. So you want to really focus on the words you're getting in these reviews, but the reviews and the proximity are the two most important things. Make sure you've got your hours, your description. One big tip I can give you is to take photos on a phone of the premises and take photos, you know, often to make sure that people can see, you know, if you're an electrician, clients, jobs and sites and and see all those kind of things and just get good reviews. Now, be careful about the reviews as well. If you're enticing, you know, and you're, you're rewarding people or gating those reviews in some way, Google can catch on to that. It's okay to have a 4.8, 4.9 star rating. That's a good thing in many cases. That's really interesting because there are whole businesses out there, aren't there, that employ people to leave reviews for businesses that they've never used or heard of. Yeah, exactly. In fact, they could be at the other side of the world. Don't do that. You'll get kicked off Google Local and, you know, don't even let your staff leave reviews. Uh, And if they have, ask them to remove it. Google can see how often you're at a location and how likely it is that you're trying to cheat it. Again, Tim, don't Mm, cheat Google. They're very smart. So we don't have any of our staff giving reviews or anything like that. You um, reminded me of Google My Business. I know uh, Dana DiTomasio, who did the last SEO episode with me a couple of years ago, um, 
talked about the incredible importance uh, that Google My Business has for all businesses. Do you want to talk about that? Very. So that's that's where we talk about that local element. Google My Business is something that you can sign up for. If you ever got on a postcard from Google, that's what we're talking about here. You put that number in and you get the little listing that you can manage. And it's a great part of SEO because it's really, really simple. Um, you just got to put a description in, some hours, your phone number, those photos, all those things we spoke about. And anytime that someone searches for, you know, they've got that search intent behind plumber in a location, that local panel will come up and you'll be able to, you know, contend with the other people in there. Yeah. It's a it's a free kick, isn't it? Google it, My it, Business. It's literally a free kick. If you don't have a Google My Business, you, you're leaving a free kick. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Aiden. Um, Kat of True Health Osteopathy has a question about blogging. Uh, is writing blog posts or something of a similar capacity the best way to keep your SEO consistently popular? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, it's one of the best ways. Um, it's one of the best easy ways of doing it. You know, you just talk about different things that are, um, you know, all authoritative and credible in your industry. So not just about, you know, I don't want to, oh, man, Tim, I saw someone post a blog on their plumbing website about their opinion on Donald Trump and Dan Andrews. Bum, bum. That is not the content I want to be seeing on your blog. I want to see content about plumbing and how to fix drains and all that kind of stuff to show you're an authority there. So yes, it's a great way of doing it if you have the right content, but a poor way of doing it if you're just posting content that you think you want to see. What do you think about the idea? And I talk about this in my book, The Boomerang Effect, Harry, where with a blog, for me, a blog is essentially an online magazine in the sense that you should be posting articles that are of interest and make the lives better of your your prospects and your customers. Um, And in fact, I give a three-question formula for doing that. It's called the editorial mission. What have you got to offer? Uh, what out to uh, what have you got to offer to whom and what outcome can they expect? And if you know the answer to those three questions, you can then go and write a whole lot of blog articles that will exactly. keep people entertained and or engaged. On the other side, there is what I would call a help center, a knowledge center, a learning hub, where you go and find every question you've ever been asked by a prospect or a customer or a supplier or a staff member, and you methodically go through and answer each one of those. One question, one rich answer per page. So it's not an FAQ of one long bloody, you know, stream of consciousness. Um, How do you think about that as, as an SEO play? I think that's uh, both of those are great strategies. Uh, are you just saying that? No, no, they're both great <laughs> strategies. They answer different search intents. Remember, they, there's a, they, you know, go through all all four different search intents quickly for you. So everyone's on the same page here. So we have educational. I want to learn something. I'm googling something to learn more about it. We have transactional. I want to buy something. I'm googling something to buy it. There's navigational. I'm Googling something to go somewhere. Like if I if I search you up, Tim, and I go to your website, I already know about you. That's navigational. And finally, there's commercial investigation. I want to compare things. So you just got to go, okay, what, blog, what search intent is this blog post going to be answering? Are we going to be educating? Are we going to be comparing different things? Are we going to be trying to do transactional? Now, transactional in blog posts doesn't work very well, right? That's where your website comes in. And then lastly, navigational. Navigational is where your website comes in too. So really your blog should either be educational or comparative. I love that. Oh, you're good. You thought of starting up an agency around SEO? I thought about it a couple of times. Mm, mm, it's got potential. Uh, thank you, Kat. Next question is from Jason Ursino, Learning Space. It's about negative SEO. I've heard that competitors can use negative SEO on your <laughs> own website. What is it? How do I know it's happening? Can I avoid it and can it be undone? Oh, negative SEO, mate. So, okay, this is this is an interesting one. Now, negative SEO is when you, you know how we spoke about backlinks earlier, Tim? We spoke about getting links from like porn sites and gambling sites and how they're bad for you. So, negative SEO is when you get backlinks to someone else's website from porn sites and gambling sites so that Google says, uh-oh, don't put these guys in the search results. Now, it's against Google's terms and conditions and they do a lot of work on um, cracking down on it. But a lot of business owners are scared of it. Now, I'll tell you now, Tim, it's very rare. I would say one in a hundred people that tell me someone's done negative SEO to their website, it's not. Something's just gone wrong with their SEO from those pillars. The, the biggest industries that I see it in, Tim, probably no surprise, legal industry, 
Uh, if you're a lawyer, yeah, there's heaps of negative SEO. Man, you lawyers hate other lawyers. I don't know what it is. Uh, and so they employ people to do negative SEO. Best part about it though, Tim, really quick to fix. Really quick to fix. You know that tool Google Search Console? There's what we call a disavow file that you can upload. You know, not a scary word. Come bear with me. It's a file where we link all the different bad websites that are linking to us. And we put it up there and say to Google, hey, Google, we want nothing to do with these sites. We don't know who's got these links to us, but we don't want them. And so Google then goes, ah, fair enough, my mistake, all good. But Google will automatically do this anyway. They'll automatically try and figure out what's, you know, negative and and filter that out. But if you're really sure that something's hurting, you can go and fix it. Oh, that's a great outcome. Jason, I hope that works for you. Chris DeLucian of Woot Recruit has a question around directory listings. Does or will Google rank digital marketplaces like HomeAdvisor and Angie's List lower than specialized small business websites? How do we present how do we prevent those marketplace websites from leaching SEO rankings from our own if we choose to sign up with them? So this this is actually quite a complex question. So Google doesn't really care what website it is. They're just looking at is this the best website to answer that intent, right? So they're looking at the, obviously the backlinks, the authority of the site, the technical structure of the site, but then they're looking at does this person answer the user's question? So if you've got a strong technical site with backlinks and you answer that question better than a directory, you will rank higher. If Google thinks that you have issues with these pillars, they'll rank the directory site higher. So to prevent them from leeching your SEO, have good SEO. Fairly uh, sensible. Yeah. (laughs) Have good SEO. Best advice all day. (laughs) Righto. Well, Trish Raj from The Chartist. Uh, another long-time listener. Hello, Trish. She's got a question about Yoast, which we may well have answered. What is the role of WordPress plugins like Yoast SEO? Do they provide the content structure that Google is looking for? Um, kind of answered that. Anything to add? Look, so so Yoast helps structure WordPress a little bit differently so that Google can understand it better. Not a big difference, but, you know, nice, nice to have. And it does do its best job to help you structure content in the way that Google wants to see it. But ultimately, Tim, tools aren't very good at this stuff. Uh, the best way of doing it is by thinking yourself. So they'll help you along, but they can often be more harmful when you look at the traffic lights and that kind of stuff. Just use it as a tool, but don't use it as a benchmark. Nice. Justin Beavers, uh, not Beavers. Well, that would be Justin Bieber. Oh, probably Justin <laughs> Bieber needs a bit of SEO help too. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> he's from the branding office. Uh, a question about schema. Maybe we've answered this. Why is there so much conjecture over what works and what does not work? For instance, my developer says schema doesn't work, but my own SEO research says it does. Oh, good question. Well, this is an underlying problem again with the education. You know, some people say this thing doesn't work, that thing doesn't work. Now, a lot of things work in SEO, like all the things I've spoken about, but there's no magic bullet. Like if you're asking if I implement schema, I'm going to rank number one, probably not. If you do those those three fundamental pillars and schema is a nice cherry on top, absolutely that's going to help. Schema will help, uh, but it's not the be all end all. It just helps you display your listing a little bit different in the, the search results. It's a good thing. You should focus on getting schema but absolutely there is a lot of contention around what works, what doesn't. And that's, again, one of the reasons why we built the the Hawk Academy platform in the first place to give people a background as to, to how that all works. Got it. You're listening to Australia's leading SEO expert, Harry Sanders. And if you're keen to improve your Google rankings, which I'm sure you are, then do give him and his team a buzz on 03-9068-0055. And if you tell him Timbo sent you or you heard about him on this show, then he'll send you the white paper titled Dirty SEO, uh, which is very good. I have it in front of me and it is one of the better white papers I've seen, Harry. I mean, again, that's authority content right there, isn't it? That's it. That's it. Sue Nash talks about SEO staffing or staffing SEO. Who should take responsibility for SEO within a business of five staff? Business of five staff, if you have someone involved in marketing, um, they're a great person to do it. If you have someone involved in content, they can help guide that way. Um, otherwise, it might just be a kind of joint responsibility. Maybe you give the something like Hawk Academy to a staff member, say, go ahead, go learn all these things. And SEO is now now your basket. Yeah, got it. Ashley Bingham 
of Avila. The label has a question around website speed. How important is website speed when it comes to SEO? And for that matter, the quality of your hosting provider. Yeah, really, really good question. So page speed is important, very important. I can't what does that mean? So page speed, how fast the website loads, right? And it can be a little bit deceiving because, Tim, you might load up a website and be like, oh, that was really quick. But then Google says, no, no, that was really slow. So page speed is all about like how big the size is and because and, people are going to have different internet speeds. So you can go to Google page speed which is a free tool Google has to benchmark your your website's page speed. Don't freak out if it comes back with a bad number. Again, it's just a tool. It just gives you an indicator. Um, but what you want to do is, is try and get that as fast as possible, especially if you're in e-commerce. So um, one thing Google announced is something called the Core Web Vitals, and that'll be coming out next year. And it looks like, you know how we spoke about that security certificate earlier, Tim? We said Google's cracked down on that. Well, it looks like the next big initiative that Google's cracking down on is slow loading websites. So they want to make sure that websites are fast and go and you should just load instantly, especially on things like mobile. So you can read more about Core Web Vitals, you know, online or through the course or whatever you may be. It's a little bit complicated in the scope of this, but really the nuts and bolts of it is the faster, the better. So if you see something coming back to your website host, if you see something in PageSpeed where it says slow server response time, that is technical jargon for get a better host. Um, if you're on shared hosting at like $5 a month and you, you know your SEO or your website's important to you, upgrade that. Spend $20, $30. It's not a big chunk of money, guys, but it is going to make you a lot more. It makes a massive amount massive of difference. difference. And, and I know in Google Analytics, they have a... a a criteria or a measurement called bounce rate, right? And that's kind of directly measuring how... Well, actually, it's not just about page load speed, is it? Because bounce yeah, rate is either it could be page might not be off. relevant. Yeah, exactly. So it might not be relevant or it might be really slow, but it's a, yeah, it could be an indicator, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Uh, so get a good host. How do you know what a good host is? Uh, look, there's a few good ones. Good hosts are changing a lot. There's things like Venture IP, which are good. Um, it depends also in where around in the world you are. Um, but if you do a search for, you know, best hosts 2020 Reddit or something like that and go to a forum, which isn't some affiliate site, you'll be able to see what's good in your region. I, I was having great success with Liquid Web. Uh, they're based overseas and they actually ended up costing me a fortune because it's all US dollars and it was just, yeah, I just couldn't, it was just unaffordable in the end. Uh, and I've gone to WP Engine. Mm-hmm. They're uh, a great host for WordPress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that seems to work. I certainly haven't noticed any significant difference between the two and it's no. a lot cheaper. Yeah, WP Engine, great host if you've got a WordPress site. Um, otherwise, yeah, you just have to look around. I guess if you're doing things like um, some of those other content management system sites like name, uh, like Squarespace and-, mm. and Well, they, they've got their own host. Their yeah. own, ho- their own yeah. host, right? Same yeah. as Shopify, yeah. So yes. if you're with Magento or a really complicated e-commerce platform, you're probably going to want to talk to your devs about hosting because it gets quite serious. David O'Malley of Arnold Street Dental has a question around domain registrars. Can a site hosted on GoDaddy get to the top of page one? Hmm, it's an interesting question. Has the registrar got any impact on SEO? No. Who your domain is registered with has absolutely zilch uh, to do with your SEO. Um, However, if your hosting, yeah, good follow-up question. Thanks for that. If your hosting is really slow, you know, like a really cheap GoDaddy plan, then that's going to hurt you. Um, that doesn't mean you're, it's impossible to rank to number one. You know, I never like to say that it's impossible. It just makes it harder. Just a, uh, another follow-up on that. Like uh, we're talking about domains. Should an Aussie business have a .com.au domain? Should a New Zealand business have a .co.nz domain? Should you have a, it's called the TLD, isn't it? Top-level domain specific to where the business is based or? It's just a matter of preference. So CCTLDs, which is country top-level domains, like your .com.au, your .co.nz, they're all, you know, they're, they're fine. They don't actually make a difference in your SEO. Uh, they don't make a difference. It, it's more of a user thing. Like if I'm a US customer and I end up on a .com.au, I might be like, oh, does this ship to the US? Is this, you know, is this the right one? So it's just a matter of preference. Um, no impact on SEO. No, not unless you start having multiple different top-level domains for each of the region you're in or you have a .com with each of the different sections. That's what we call international SEO. 
And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Tim, that is one of the more advanced things. That is certainly an advanced component of SEO. But yeah, we, we cover that off, but it is very specific knowledge. Got it. Uh, Matthew Dugan of Mesh Design Products. He's got a question about SEO companies. Might have covered this. He's, uh, in fact, it's a two-part question. I get a call or email from an SEO company every day. And everyone else who's listening right now is nodding their heads. Yeah. They all promise me they can get me on the first page of Google. How can they do that if there are 20 companies in the same industry fighting for that coveted first page? Good question, Tim. Now, this is a great SEO scam that companies like to run. Number one, I sympathize with you. Uh, If you think you get a lot of calls, imagine how many calls we get as an SEO agency, people wanting us to white label our SEO to them. Uh. We... Well, I think our worst day, we had 72 calls of other companies asking us to, to send our SEO their way, which just blows my mind. I mean, we're an SEO company. What am I going to do? Fire all my staff and be like, oh, I was wrong this whole time, Tim. We're not the best. These guys are. Um, and so you'll notice all the companies calling you are, are no-name agencies. They don't have awards, credibility, a name in the industry, anything like that. It's a common scam to, to do this cold call sales and say, we're going to get you to number one. Now, how the scam works, Tim, is I'll say, I'm going to get you to number one for you know some crazy keyword. I'm going to get you number one for the best white teeth fill repair with crowns. And you're like, oh, that's a weird one. But that's what I do, correct? But it's such a long tail keyword, right? We spoke about that, that you could rank for that, even though nobody will ever search for that, ever. So it's irrelevant to rank number one for that. They will say they've got you to number one and they will take your money and you will get no traffic, no conversions out of it. Do not sign up to these scams. In fact, I would go as far to say, if someone calls you to try and do SEO with you, that's not a company you want to work with. Yeah, fair call. I would have thought another scam too would just be simply for that company to take out some Google AdWords. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I get a few business owners telling me, oh, we rank number one for you know, uh, insurance. And I'm like, holy crap, that's insane. You know, against like Allianz and these big giants. I look, it's just, no, you're doing an AdWords. You're paying 50 bucks a click. What are you- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What are you doing? Matthew goes on with a second question. He says, SEO takes time, so I can spend six months more or more working on my keywords to find the leads are quite general and not specific to my niche market. Why would I do SEO over Google AdWords that are instant? That's a great question. It's Google Ads and SEO are going to give you different people and higher conversions through organic. But what it comes down to is the search intent. If you're finding you're getting really broad people, narrow down and be more specific with what exact people you're looking for. Like we um, we changed out. We, we're always changing around. Like we don't want to be ranking for SEO, Tim. It's too broad. It's not. We get, you know, people coming to us like, I got 200 bucks, I want to be number one. I'll pay you upon completion. It's not the leads we want. So, but things like SEO specialist... Like SEO Specialist Melbourne, we rank number one. We really want those kind of leads. But I don't want leads for digital agency. I don't want those kind of leads because they're too broad, too general. They're going to come to us and want all these different things we don't do. So just really narrow down who do you want to come through? Even if there's less people searching for it, who do you want? You you say you want to rank for SEO Specialist Melbourne. Do you want to rank for SEO Specialist Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth? Or are you really um, just looking for Melbourne-based clients? Well, we, we do it. We do it across Australia, like to be honest. You know, we, we've built out Melbourne. We're actually in the process of building out the other pages at the moment. Yeah, right. Um, but to be honest, like, the thing is, Tim, like we're, we're very fortunate. We're in an industry where we get a lot of work at this stage through our current SEO. And we, we want to keep building it out. But London's a real focus for me. Yeah, nice. Um, building out our SEO in London. But, but yeah, SEO specialist is a good term for us. We get good leads out of it. But we, we work across the world. A couple of questions left. Harry, this has been awesome, mate. James Rankin of Elephant Advisory. Oh, oh. I love it. Rankin. Yeah, what a name. You should be an SEO specialist, <laughs> man. SEO. Mr. Rankin. I like that. I'll There's give you a lot a job. going on with that name. The Rankin Elephant Advisory. I mean, what advice do elephants need? Mate, I love this. Yeah, hit us. I think the elephants just roll up to rank to, to his business and say, listen, uh, James. I don't want to bring it out, but there's an elephant in the room and we need to talk about it. That's it. About our rankings. Yeah, yeah. He's got a name. He's got a question about podcast names. Um, Mm -hmm. Does your podcast name help SEO? Oh, 
Good question. Depends what I it is. It, I reckon it does. Yeah, if it's something like small business, big marketing, or Boom. you know, that's a good one. Marketing, you know, it's very, you know, it's very actionable. You can look at that and go, I know exactly what this podcast is about. If you've got some really obscene podcast name that only really makes sense if you listen to it, yeah, that's not going to do wonders for your SEO. It, it goes back to the idea of should a business name and therefore the domain name, which you sort of hope is the same as the business name, be keyword rich and potentially boring? Or do you go for a branded name? Do you make up a name, uh, which is generally probably going to be easier to buy that domain for and the business name will be available. Mm, and uh, the trademark and stuff. And the trademark. Yeah, uh, so from important. an SEO specialist point of view, what do you say? I think it actually, Google cracked down on keyword rich TLDs, the top level domains, a long time ago. They're not really that interested in them now. Um, there's a reason why Mecca is called Mecca, not best makeup. Um, so having a brand, I honestly prefer a nice brand name, as long as it makes sense and you can always have your SEO on the page. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Pick a good brand name. Like we're called Studio Hawk. We're not called SEO, <laughs> you know. It just comes down to, to what the business needs are. All right. So after 11 years, I'll be changing the name <laughs> of this podcast from Small Business Big Marketing to, I, I don't think know, it's a great name. I think it's a good brand. Gold. Marketing Gold. No, I like the I like the the name there. Like you don't need to have a brand, but don't uh, – the, the biggest mistake, I mean, Tim, is is when people go, oh, I'm going to call my my brand Marketing Podcast because that's going to be good for us. No, it's not. It's going to be confusing. Got it. Last question is from Robert M. Wheeler, another long-time listener. In fact, Robert M. Wheeler Jr., Harry. So um, hopefully Senior is um, watching this too. on somewhere. Excellent. Uh, he, his business is Rapid Recovery. He's got a question around keywords. Um, is there a way to know what keywords are being searched that are leading to traffic to my competitors so I can strengthen my standing in those keywords? You sure can. We call this a gap analysis. Uh, and this is something you can do in SEMrush. You can do a keyword gap analysis to see all the terms your SEM, or your competitors are ranking for that you aren't. And then you can just start going, okay, why is my competitor ranking for this? Okay, they've got a really good page about it. Now I've got a really good page about it. Why aren't I still ranking? Ah, well, it's my technical SEO. Their technical SEO is a lot better. I'm going to fix that up. And you go, well, why aren't I still ranking you? Oh, their backlinks are much better. And so you know, what I just ran you through there, Tim, is... You know, I get that answer all the time. Why is this person ranking better than me? I've got more backlinks or I've got better website or I've got better page. It's one of those three pillars. Find out and fix it. Wow, Harry. Mate, that's the end of our questions. I know you're excited when you saw these questions earlier this week. Um, I, You said, you know, great questions. They are great questions. They're pretty broad ranging. Um, fairly reflective, I'm guessing, of what you would hear yourself when you're talking to other business owners. Absolutely. Any final comments or advice that you want to share? It's a bit of an open question. I very rarely ask that at the end of an interview. It's like, what else do you want to tell us? Uh, that is not an open invitation to just go on for another hour. But anything critical that hasn't been asked? Oh, uh, oh I thought you were asking general advice, like brush your teeth twice a day, guys. <laughs> um, anything critical that hasn't been asked? Look, I feel like this is a great range of questions. It's been covered off a lot of different things and the most common things we get asked, like like I touched upon in that last question, another one is why is my competitor ranking higher than me? Again, just comes down to those three pillars. It's always one of those three things. It's not that Google doesn't like you or someone's doing negative SEO to you. It's probably one of those three things. Um, so if you can understand what each of those three things is and just do basic forensics on, you know, how to get that up higher, you actually understand more about SEO than 95% of people, including SEO people, that you'll meet. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's where I would leave that. The best advice I can give you is um, make incremental changes that are going to have a positive impact for your business. Um, and if you're saying oh, is it too late to do SEO? I mean, we've done all these interviews with these guests, part of the Hawk Academy. And one of the things, you know, the SEO lead at OfficeWorks, all these people said in common is like, I just, you know, it's not too late to do it. You know, you know, I wish I could have done it earlier, but now is the best time to do it. You know, the best time to plant a tree, Tim, as they say, is five years ago. The second best time is now. Now, for everyone, you've got two options. You've got three. You know you've got to improve your SEO. 
You can do it yourself and follow what Harry's talked about uh, on this episode. Uh, or, And I would encourage you to, to join the Hawk Academy over at hawkacademy.co. Use the discount code TIMBO20. That's two zero. You'll get 20% off. It's 32 tax deductible dollars. It's the best 32 tax deductible dollars you've ever spent. Uh, if you want to really up it, uh, then just give Harry and his team a buzz on 0390680055. Um, tell him Timbo sent you. You'll get the white paper he's written called Dirty SEO, and he can talk to you about how else they can help you on an ongoing monthly basis. Harry, you're a great bloke, mate. Um, uh, your story up front about how Studio Hawk came to be is just so good and so inspiring. Uh, and at the age of 22, good luck, mate, for the next few years. And uh, I look forward to getting you back on uh, next year or the year after. Uh, thanks, Tim. Pleasure to be on and, and hopefully you've learned something out of this. Hopefully. <laughs> I would say definitely. Hey, how good is young Harry Sanders? If you apply any of his SEO tips and tricks, give me a buzz and let me know if they worked by calling 0480-015-150. You'll have up to five minutes to share what you've done and what impact it's had on that beautiful business of yours. Well, I told you it was going to be a brain explosive episode. I hope you're still with me. We're nearly there. Next week, we meet a lawyer who's challenging the very staid and some would argue tired industry she finds herself in. Hello to all you lawyers out there. If you've got something to tell me, then be sure to give me a buzz. Put that number I shared earlier in your phone under Timbo or Marketing Gold. If you're picking up what I'm putting down over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ, then you'll find 520 more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app. Please let other business owners know about this podcast if you are enjoying it, which is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and effortlessly cobbled together by the Harlem Globetrotters of audio production over at Podcast One Australia. Why I went for a basketball reference there, I will never know. Until next time, team, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.